close. Halloween's getting close. We're a week away, baby. It's spooky season here at Off the Bench Still, and even spookier once again is our shining faces. If you're watching, you just see our faces exposed to your screen. What's up, everybody? I'm Brandon Carney alongside Pat Gustafson, and this is Off the Bench. Pat, how are we doing today? You know, I think it's particularly scary that I'm looking scarier than usual with whatever. I'm just going to... The, the the elephant in the room, just this fucking third head that I have, and not in a good way, growing right. out of my face. Like, I'm trying to get another human being uh, to be a part of me. Well, I am too, ladies, if you're listening. There Ayo. are zero women that have ever listened to us. I would Ayo. Argue, but, um... <laughs> Halloween. I, think we probably, I don't know where we, I, that went, but Halloween. I think we've got a couple of female lists. Look, my demographic is generally like 93% male. So it's statistically, there's like okay. four women that might listen to the show. I don't know. Hey, for anybody wondering, um, yeah, Pat just has a little bit of a, a, a pimple poorly placed on his forehead. But uh, look, at least right. like put it, it looks this like way, I've got like a sniper, like someone's trying to take me out. Like, it's <laughs> Get down, right. Mr. President. No, it's good that at least you don't have like a 4K Ultra HD camera like I do, because then it would just look even worse. I have to, I have to maintain all this all the time oh, and yeah, i don't do I a very good job fucking, i need a fucking haircut Mac camera because like again like, <laughs> if, if you're i'm not gonna look good either way and like if the people that's that fair. are watching this on youtube like just live with it live with it yeah that's totally fair low budget off the bench we love it all right pat as we always do, we'll start off the show with a little update on our personal league. I have some sad news to report. Pat is going to continue calling me the Minnesota Vikings, but what do you what are you leaning into your mic for right now? What do you want? Frauds. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I did lose my first game. However, Woo! however, I went into the week I went into the week sort of expecting it knowing that I had Brees Hall on by and Justin Fields not playing so I kind of saw it coming uh, I ended up making it a lot closer than it well not even close I, I was never really in it because I was getting blown out basically all of Sunday afternoon but then my two receivers AJ Brown and Jordan Addison in prime time when I was already well out of it made it a lot closer I ended up being the third highest scorer in our league this week and I, I'll be honest Pat for a second. Addison had me believing for a second. He had me believing because he had like 21 PPR, not PPR, 21 non PPR points at half. I needed like 45 out of him for me to pull off a miracle. And we've seen Chase do that this year. So I was like, okay, technically it's possible. But Jordan Addison is joy. Yeah. Jordan Addison is in fact, not Jamar Chase. But in that first half, I was like, oh, fuck, if he just does that again, as if that's a simple task. But if he just does that again, Whoa, I could have a chance here. Didn't end up happening, but uh, still very happy with how Jordan Addison performed and now owning him for the rest of the season. Pat, how did your week go? It was almost a disaster. <laughs> it was ah. almost a disaster. I did win. I did win. Um, mm -hmm. Dropped a nice 112 non-PPR solid back on track. Um, mm -hmm. But the issue was, you know, like uh, all week, my RB2 was Jonathan Taylor. No, put no thought to it at all whatsoever. And then I woke up Sunday morning and I was like, should I play Deontay Foreman? And I was like, I'm like, yes. I'm like, I like, <laughs> obviously, like, the Raiders are awful. Uh, we'll get there, I guess. I didn't put that on the show sheet, but I'm going to go on a tirade again. But um, that's fine. Um, Raiders are terrible. And the Browns just shut down the 49ers. Well, except McCaffrey, because McCaffrey. It's like, if Zach Moss still exists, that could be a problem. But also, the Bears, you know, stink. You know, like, what yep. if the Bears did lose? So when he had three touchdowns, I, I stayed with Taylor, by the way. I did stick with my gut. I didn't change. I, I found that changing my mind last minute has never gone over well, or at least not usually. So I stuck with Taylor. And uh, so when Foreman had three touchdowns and Taylor had like seven points, it was DEFCON four over here. Mm -hmm. Like I was mad because, yeah. you, you know, there's so many woulda, coulda, shouldas, but like you don't think about it. 
but like I was thinking about it. Like yeah. I was, I, I reached out to multiple people, multiple confidants, saying, "Hey, what do you think about this?" But Pat's never God, reached out I to did. me, by the way, folks. I didn't just, ask just, anyone. Just I didn't reference. ask anyone in our league because <laughs> I don't need. I don't that's need their, fair. I don't need their opinions. Um, Trying to sabotage. I understand that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so it, it was good to to pull, to pull out the win. Uh, Mostly just consistent, uh, really. I don't. I'm trying to think. Did I have anyone? Mark Andrews, I guess, popped off on National Tight Ends Day, but uh, he sure did. A lot solid. of tight ends popped off, man. It was crazy. Yeah. There was only like six of them, but the ones that did, like, did. yeah, like they 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 did it. Um, and but yeah, we're four and three. We're one of the, the top scorers in the league still. Uh, I just got to win, you know. Uh, yep. If I make the playoffs, I'm dangerous. Don't 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 let me make the playoffs. Don't let me get dangerous. But um, that's facts. We only that's have four facts. teams out of twelve make it, which I actually like a little bit because it's mm-hmm. the cream of the crop, the the best team. So I've just got to keep winning as many games as possible. But I the the outlook on the squad looks good. But you never fucking know. I could be sitting here next week sobbing into a pillow over this shit, but. Yeah, that's fantasy you know, football. I'd argue. You never know. Uh, I'm playing our buddy Gary this week, and he texted me jokingly, but he was like, "You should just throw this week. Like, I, I'm the one that needs to win." I'm like, "Hey, buddy, I understand I'm six and one, but that does not mean I'm in the playoffs. I got to secure. I would say two more wins. I've gotten into the playoffs with seven wins before in this league, but that's not a guarantee. But I need to get these two more wins to ensure that I'm in for the most part. Um, so, no, I need to. No. I need to keep going here. Keep plugging away. Like putting it this way, I'm tied for third with I believe four other teams. Like I think there's five of yeah. us that are four and three. So yeah, it's a mess. You know, one win. You know, another win could really separate you, or a loss could put you right in, right back into that mix. So it's. It's 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 a wild. There's really only three, I guess, quote unquote, non-competitive teams, or you know, teams mm-hmm. that probably aren't going to be in the one and six slash two and five. Yeah, everyone else is three and four and better. So it's 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 scary. It scares the hell out of me. But I'm having fun. I'm having fun. Only league I yeah. won in this week, by the way. Oh hey, that's yeah. you know, at least you got a win. Uh, I was a kind of mixed mixed results across some other leagues. In the Scott Fishbowl, uh, however, I am doing quite well. I'm twelve and two now, which for those listening and are like, how do you play so many fucking games? Uh, every week you also have a matchup against quote unquote the league median. So if you're a top six scorer of the week, you get an extra win. So twelve yeah. and two, I think I've essentially secured the playoffs in that league. And that's a league in which uh, Pat, if you'll recall, I drafted Aaron Rodgers as my number one quarterback in a super flex league. So uh, I have recovered you, quite nicely. That? That. Who was uh... uh so I ended up with Sam Howell as my QB two off the bat. So he 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 cycled into QB one, which yeah is not the worst. Um, Sam Howell as QB one could be a lot worse. And then I've just kind of gone through a few different super flex guys: Tyrod Taylor, Zach Wilson, and sometimes it's just not a quarterback, so it doesn't have to yeah. be. Um, but the rest of the team is just so loaded at receiver and running back that it ended up working out. But. I think we can get into some news and notes, Pat. We also have a fun little segment coming up because if you'll recall those listening, I'm sure some of you were here for it. We did a rookie fantasy draft somewhere shortly after the NFL I think draft. It was the week after the draft. I think I think it was where it was essentially we were each drafting five rookies that we thought would be, you know, some of the best fantasy options for this upcoming season. We are going to recap that shortly and uh, also redraft it now that we are halfway through the season which rookies do we want for the remainder of this season i figured it was a good way to kind of get a temperature check on some of these guys especially with some of them starting to pop off and you know for the first time and some of them having more question marks obviously jordan addison popping off jameer gibbs finally had a good game but more notably pat before we get into that Bijan robinson is a big piece of this because he was the story of fantasy football this week through truthfully no fault of his own Bijan Robinson ended up with you know suffering 
from a headache, migraine, whatever you, whatever it may have been. I was some kind of headache. And he said it came on basically the night before the game, woke up the next day, wanted to test out how he felt pregame, didn't feel very good, and they ended up not playing him. And so what we're seeing as fans of the game is, you know, he's played one snap in the first half and we're like, is this a new low for Arthur Smith? Is he pulling his shit to just an incredibly high degree? I think that's what was going through everyone's mind. Well, at that point, it was like, what did he do? Because like, there is no yeah. possible game plan where playing him that little would have been plausible. Like, you know, like if it would have been like a fifty-fifty with him and Algier, you're like, okay, whatever, right. yeah. But one one snap, no touches, anything like that. You you had to think like, what did he do? Like, did he miss a meeting? Did he sleep with Arthur Smith's wife? Like, what what happened? <laughs> right. And I guess nobody could have predicted exactly what the outcome was. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a strange outcome, but it, like. Obviously, all of these problems come because the Falcons didn't say anything, and now they're actually being investigated by the NFL for why they didn't say anything. You, as an NFL team, have to disclose an accurate injury report before the game, and it doesn't get any more blatant that you were inaccurate than your best player barely playing in the game. I don't know if they thought that they could loophole this by playing him a few snaps, which they did, including giving him his first carry in the waning moments of that game. Very strange. I don't understand what the point was there, but Bijan, just kind of the story of the week. Um, I think the lesson here is just, look, going forward, uh, we hope that he doesn't you know, have any more of these issues. Hopefully this isn't a recurring thing with the headaches. My initial thought is it probably won't be. Um, and if you are a Bijan owner or somebody who is trying to trade for him or just figure out how to evaluate him for the rest of the season, I would say, don't worry about it. It's just the same outlook that we've had. Um, if you're going to worry about anything, it should just be the general nonsense of Arthur Smith and this backfield. But Bijan is still relatively produced well, despite that. It's just funny that like this, obviously there were Arthur Smith shenanigans here, but just not what we thought. Just, just right. not what we thought because we even saw it a few weeks ago, like when Aaron Jones came back the first time from the injury where it was like, hey, he's questionable all week. Hey, he's active. Mm-hmm. And he barely played. Like if you want to kind of throw guys off and think like, oh, we need to prepare for this guy. You still need to say yeah. that he's questionable. Like they yeah. could have, all they needed to say was, hey, B. John's questionable with an illness. He's active. Mm-hmm. And you did exactly, you know, exactly the same scenario i saw a great two where it was like yes i get it totally Bijan had headaches so let's bring him in at the end of the game and throw him at a 330 pound vita vea like, like <laughs> that's the big thing like yeah why was it like why was he in the game like two minute drill it's like cordero patterson is quite literally a wide receiver like why don't you yeah. like they, he's he's a great three minute drill guy but two minute drill why i say three but um we say um but even just seeing Cordero Patterson in the first half, you're just like something's going, on. <laughs> something's yeah. going on here. But I, I'm not worried at all either. I mean, I guess we'll talk, we'll see where he goes in our rookie draft. But I, I, I am personally not worried. I mean, granted about the injury, if you know, if this turns into something worse. But in terms of where he stands on the depth chart, how much he's going to play, how much he's going to produce, I'm not worried about that. Yeah, and Bijan Robinson, for those of you scoring at home, does have one of the easiest playoff schedules for fantasy football running backs. So if you are you know, looking to make a move, maybe target Bijan Robinson, especially potentially buying him low after this week if the owner is for some reason concerned about what will be a, likely a non-issue going forward with the headaches unless they are a super recurring thing. The only thing I could think of for why he would have played that snap at the end of the game is just like, 
you know, with headaches, they're super random. They can come and they can go. They can get better. They can get worse. Like over the course of a three and a half hour game, it would not surprise me if he started to feel better at the end. But even then, it's like, what's the I, point? I like there's it. there's still really no point. I mean, again, playing football is not that, you know, the Vita Vea thing is hilarious, but like that's not going to make it worse. No. It's not going to make the symptoms worse, but still it's not going to help either. So I don't know what the point was, but do I ever know what the point is with Arthur Smith? No. As anyone, as anyone on that team, as as Arthur Smith, as upper management, as the medical team, what benefit do you get from that? I just seen even if like he rips off a seventy three yard run to win the game, that's still yeah. not worth it in my opinion. Just from the, yeah. the possibility of what damage could possibly come, you know. Hopefully, we're looking at more of an illness rather than like you know something that's seriously plaguing him. Yeah, and one thing I'll say too is for all the fantasy owners out there that are mad. Um, you wouldn't have done anything different. If he was listed as questionable with an illness and was announced that he was going to be active, absolutely. you would have started him. I and it would have two, I have him in two leagues. I absolutely would have started him. Yeah, no it, it would have it would have sucked. Um I think we've just added an extra layer of irritation because of the not reporting it, but you would have been honestly, I think just as annoyed if uh, if it played out that way. So and it's more so it's the Arthur Smith. If it was any other yeah, team, I yeah. think people would be way less angry about it. Yeah, so right now the issue is just more so the Falcons not following procedure. So we'll see what the NFL decides they want to do about that. But Pat, let's not waste any time. Let's get into this rookie redraft. So yeah, how did, again, how did I mentioned, that go in, uh, in April? How did that go? You know, um, okay. So here was how this rookie redraft, or right, the original rookie draft, excuse me, played out. We'll give you a little recap. So the five players I ended up drafting, I had the 101 in this draft. Um, I may have... I may have let things get a little in my head, but uh, I did not draft Bijan Robinson. Now, I'll, I'll say this, Pat. We just got done talking about Bijan. Bijan has not been this blow you away player. So it's well, more about it's more about who I picked over him uh, because he hasn't been good either until this week. I took Jameer Gibbs with the first pick in this draft, um, and hey. I did big brain it a little bit. I mean, I, I, I just had so much faith in the Lions offense more than the Falcons offense. Which and I is correct. It like, is correct. correct is that. correct. Uh, and I just was not anticipating 30 carry per game, David Montgomery. So sorry for that. Uh, it is what it is. And we saw Jameer nope, Gibbs, what he can do. Montgomery. Woo. <laughs> we, we saw what Jameer Gibbs can do with a fuller workload now, which he did this past week. He finally had, you know, sort of an RB one type of day. Um, and hopefully he can keep doing that going forward. Even after Montgomery comes back, at least, on a little more consistent basis, but no. here were here here were the five players that I drafted. It was Jameer Gibbs, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jonathan Mingo. That's kind of back to back whiffs, at least to the halfway point of the year, and then Sam Laporta and Josh Downs. So I saved it with the end there, and then Pat's five. Pat, I got to give you props. You drafted five players, all of whom, save for one who is injured now, all of whom have a place in fantasy lineups, and that was oh yeah, they B- are starters. Bijan Robinson, obviously. Jordan Addison was your second pick. Zay Flowers, Anthony Richardson, and then Rashi Rice right at the end. Great pick to round things out. And I um, pointed out to Brandon, too, that had I had another pick or whatever, I would have picked Tank Dell next. Yeah. So, like, I was, mm-hmm. I, was all, I was all over it on this. Uh, and I own a lot of these. You know, I, uh, I own a lot of Bijan and um, Addison. And Zay, I, own, I own a lot of Zay Flowers. So, it, yep. it, it's been good for – this is definitely the best draft – I, obviously, I don't remember our other drafts, but definitely probably my best haul of anything. But um, And it's funny because there is still, you know, despite some of your picks there, there is still a good portion of those guys that are there. Like, I have a list now of, obviously, there will be 10 picks in our draft. I have a list of 11 here of mm-hmm. guys that I would consider, uh, you know, that I would consider taking. And, you know, I mean, there's 
well, like three of them. I think there's three of them on this list. So, like, will you, we will see. But I guess if you want to jump into it, you had one-on-one last time. So why don't you uh, st- start us again here? You want me to take the one-on-one? Do I, well, do I fade? Do it, you got to do it honest, the same way. Do, do I fade Bijan again? No, I, before we get started, well, I do want to give us I, I do want to give us both a pat on the back really quick. Uh, neither of us taking Quentin Johnston was great. Great decision. You could go back to one of the uh, one of my first ones. We were not as hot on him, even as a prospect, especially as the fit. But uh, people are already talking about like Jalen Rager and like let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, but it does look tough that Flowers and Addison went the two picks directly after Quentin Johnson. But there's still a lot of time for Quentin Johnston to be a really good player. Yeah, definitely a bummer that he is not producing, though, even with Mike Williams out for the year, a possibility that we floated he, like yeah, that he, would be his best case. He's not on my case. list of 11. He is not. He, yeah. He's nowhere near the list. Yeah, I decided to clutter my list with basically just every rookie, so I think I have like 20, so I just need to uh, peruse for uh, you know the ones I actually want. But I am going to right my wrongs. I'm going to take B. John Robinson with the first pick. Really? Just, just to not be – just to – reestablish my faith in him for the rest of the season i'm not worried about the headache thing and just with the strength of schedule in the fantasy playoffs pat i think he's only going to get better um from this point forward he's already been pretty consistent especially in ppr leagues even in our non-ppr league i think his worst game was like 6.8 or something like that so it's like you know you're not happy with that but that's not bottoming out like this is a guy that provides you a reasonable floor and honestly one of probably one of the higher ceilings in football given the fact that he can break off a banger play anytime as much as we shit on arthur smith as a running back in his offense like that is the most run heavy offense in the whole league and granted if there's a game script for them to succeed in it you love it and yeah you combine that with how talented he is there's no you know but there's going to be the weeks where you're saying what the fuck but after that first week when there was a little worrisome worriness with uh him and algier basically splitting that has mm-hmm. sort of died down a little bit obviously algier will not go away I'm very surprised you took that. If I had one on one, I know I who you're going to take. I know who you're going to take here. Yeah, you know, I think. and honestly, like, I'm shocked because I I thought this guy was one on one. I mean, you you look at this and it goes to show that this guy's no fluke. And I'm picking Puka Nakua here with my first pick. Fluka Nakua, like he has out targeted Cooper Cup since he's come back. Like I was a little as a Puka owner, I was pretty worried, mm-hmm. but. I don't think he's the wide receiver one of that offense. It's still Cooper Cup. But the fact that he's still getting the looks and the production just goes to show that Matthew Stafford trusts this kid. And yep. that is a great offense to trust him. Because, you know, we'll talk about this team's backfield a little later. This is a team that is going to need to throw the ball, at least for the, in, the, in the near future. And for Stafford to trust this guy that much, he must be doing something right. I yeah. was looking today. He's at least in non-PPR. He's the wide receiver six. I bet he's higher in PPR because he's just been a catch monster. But Probably. To do this and not, you know, what are, what are we on? week? It's week eight, right? Yeah. Seven mm-hmm. weeks into the season. This kid is no fluka. So, no. Um, good on him. Everyone was saying, I remember what Gary came on here and was talking about puka in the chat, and I told him to, like, like examine my balls or something ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> turns out we should have been a little more. Uh, so I'm writing that wrong here. And, yeah. Um, and Puka's my one one. Yeah, he's still so mad at you. By the way, I think he's he's finally simmered down. But he's like, Pat doesn't deserve to have him. I nope. came in the chat and yep. he was like, Who is that? And he was making fun of him. Why does he? I'm like, you know what, Gary, you make very very and valid points. That is why points, you but... pick 
the 12th pick in the draft. So you are 101 on the waiver wire after yeah. week one, and that has done me wonders. Shaped that my is whole true. season getting that guy. That is true. All right. With my second pick here, I am going to take a player who I took in the last draft and who I own this year and has just been a fucking force, Sam Laporta. Man, yeah, you, you, you were on him. You were on him all all um through the whole process he was you nailed it i I was immediately after he was picked and went to the lions i loved the fit and it was honestly almost similar reasoning to what i had with gibbs and ended up being wrong about him but sam laporta was able to step right into that number two target role on the Lions, even despite Josh Reynolds having a nice little year here too. But yes. Sam Laporta has become the number two guy in that passing game. He's become a lock it in every week TE1. Um, and just for a rookie, this is almost unheard of. This is, I believe he's on pace to have the best rookie tight end season probably ever. I mean, I know it was originally Mike Ditka and then Kyle Pitts actually approached it a couple years ago. With that with um, one touchdown. Yeah, with with one touchdown. But I think Sam Laporta is at least on pace to have the best rookie tight end season in any sort of recent memory. And I mean, as consistent of a tight end as you can get outside of, you know, Kelsey, like I, he's he's up there yeah. with Andrews and Hawkinson and all yeah. those guys. So as long as uh, that calf doesn't doesn't keep barking at him, you know, he didn't actually miss any time. He just kind of scared me midweek with an mm-hmm. injury report update. But as long as nothing comes up like that, um, he is still a lock it in tight end. And that is more than you could ask for out of this guy in year one absolutely in love with sam laporta yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go back to a wide receiver here i'm debating between two i'm gonna go with a guy here who i think has not been as consistent but has the higher ceiling and we're gonna keep seeing it i said he was my wide receiver one out of rookies going into the season obviously i've got puka ahead of him but i will go back to jordan addison here yes Good pick. Jordan I, I Jordan Addison's like, a monster. I mean, I don't know if you're going to uh, – whatever, I'll just say it now. Like, Zay Flowers has been really good and really mm-hmm. consistent. Like, he is the number one wide receiver in that offense. He is still, you know, behind Mark Andrews, you would think, in the, in the pecking order. But he yep. has established himself as the wide receiver one there. And he's just been really, really consistent. But I went Addison because, you know, we've seen the touchdowns. And we've seen him break off huge plays. And with Justin Jefferson out, it's only going to get better and better and better. And I would really, you know, if you own Addison, you are thrilled right now. And we talked about it. We said better days are ahead. Unfortunately, it came at the expense of Justin Jefferson. But yeah, all that aside, Addison to the moon the rest of the year. Yeah, Jordan Addison is a guy that I am extremely thrilled to own right now, especially with the downfall of Calvin Ridley. I mean, that is... That has yeah. been an absolute mess so far, um, Calvin Ridley. I did some research into it, and it seems like you know he might be a little more effective against zone than man. Or sorry, uh, yeah, against zone than man. Whereas Christian Kirk has been the man beater. But it's like, I, regardless of what the coverage is, you cannot be going out there and tossing up one catch for five yards. Like it just it can't happen. So I'm excited to have a viable replacement for Calvin Ridley in my starting lineup for the foreseeable future, and that replacement is Jordan Addison. Now. With my third pick, Pat, I don't know if this will be considered a surprise pick um, because it may just not be somebody who's top of mind, but I'm going to go with somebody else who I talked up a little bit in the preseason and, and after the draft. Not not as much as Sam Laporta, perhaps, but it's Devon A. Chan. He's expected to come back in a couple weeks, and I think it would be silly to just leave him undrafted in this draft. RB2 overall when he when he ended up uh, getting hurt, and I believe RB1 maybe in uh, 
not maybe RB one in terms of like explosive plays, all the analytics and just how he could break off runs and take it to the house at any moment in that Dolphins offense. What what has transpired since he got hurt has only made me more confident in him as well because Jeff Wilson has now been able to be active for two games, but he was only activated for this past week's game, and he did diddly squat. Didn't do much. So, look, could they keep working him in? Absolutely they could, but if this is truly Devon Achan is only going to miss the minimum four games, he's going to come right back into that role. He's only going to miss two more games and to the moon for him as well. Absolutely. A- absolutely. Um. Again, I didn't really know what to do with him, obviously, because like we drafted Anthony Richardson and he's out for the year, so it's easy to not do it. But I wasn't sure what sure. to really do with Achan. But yeah, like that's that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. Had you taken the guy I thought you might, I would have probably gone Achan. Yeah, just just in terms of drafting guy, like this this draft is intended to be the fantasy rookies that you want for the remainder of this year. And I think the other guys are fair to pick ahead of him because we know they don't have injury concerns right now, um, but Achan is—he's got to be in that mix because if he's back to what he was early in the year in a couple weeks, whoever owns him, if they make the playoffs, look out. Yeah, that's that's going to be a huge problem. Um, I guess with uh, my third pick here, I just built him up. No need to. I'm picking Zay Flowers. Okay. He has been—you know, obviously you could have argued. Well, you could, it's funny because you never could have argued. Okay, out of the first round wide receivers, at least. For the good chunk of the year, the first weeks of the year, he was the most productive of those four Absolutely. wide receivers. And again, just really, really consistent. Um, getting some gadget plays from him. They're getting him involved in a bunch of ways. And again, you could see that Lamar really trusts him. And for a rookie to get that involved in an offense that quickly with a veteran says something. And, uh, you know, obviously for this year and then beyond, you know, I think Zay Flowers is going to be a good player for a really long time in that offense. Yep, I agree. Um, Okay, I am also going to go receiver here, and uh, it's going to be the one that you poached at the end of last draft. It is Rashi Rice. Playing time and snaps continue to rise. He's looking like by far the Chiefs' best wide receiver, and I mean, I think it's only going to keep getting better for him as the season goes on. There's no reason to think it won't, and I just, you know, if you can get some stock in that Chiefs' offense... You might as well do it if you've got maybe the best receiver they've had since Tyreek Hill. Not that it's been a long time since Tyreek Hill, but you you look up and down that depth chart and it's like it's a bunch of jags and you're like, I don't know how to piece this apart. Well, you could piece it apart by Rashi Rice as the guy, and I think he's going to be at least a good flex play for the rest of the season, if not a low-end wide receiver too. And you, and you could see, because that was all the talk last year with Sky Moore, was that like, oh, you know, it's just going to take him some time to get incorporated. And we kind of saw it, but mm-hmm. Rice has gotten it. Sky Moore is dust. Sky Moore won and has gotten incorporated much quicker. You know, we, I think it would still be better to see him playing a little more, getting some more targets, but that's only going to go up. Right. So that's absolutely fair to pick him in this spot. And, yeah, if they could really get uh, another weapon alongside Travis Kelsey, I mean, that offense is lethal to begin with, no matter who you put in it. But if Rice keeps going on this trajectory, uh, I mean, Kansas City's a wagon as is. So like, Yeah, just played his season high say. in snaps. Uh, played 59% of snaps this past week, 49% the week before. And before that, it was a little more volatile, anywhere between 30 and 50. So seems like we're getting a little more consistent and getting at least up over half of the snaps in each game. I expect that to probably approach closer to 60 and 70 here as the season goes on. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm not going to take a running back in this whole thing. Just <laughs> just letting it be known here. But I am going to stray away from running back. And in a position where, in a year where this position has been shockingly low, if you took a flyer on this guy, you're going to be really happy with it. And that's C.J. Stroud. 
Ding, ding, ding. Love it. You know, like, I, for example, like, you know, I've got some leagues where I've got a QB on buy in the upcoming weeks, and the free agency, it's bad. Like, it's tight end levels of bad yeah. in past years where it's like, you know, like, I've got a buy, a buy in two weeks, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, Gardner Minshew doesn't look so bad. For like, <laughs> oh, man. Like, it's down it's, horrendous. It's brutal out there. So, if you took the flyer on CJ Stroud, drafting him, or even just kind of picked him up in an early week, you're going to be really happy in a year where Trevor Lawrence is underwhelmed, where Joe Burrow is underwhelmed, where Dak Prescott has been terrible, where mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson gets hurt. So many of these guys that we banked on being those low-end QB1s, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Stroud has been a godsend. Yeah. And after looking rough in the preseason, he has looked so poised in the pocket. And, I mean, I don't know if we're going to draft one of his teammates, but I'm sure we'll mention one. But what that offense has done with what they have has been remarkable because we all kind of thought, you know, they'd be a scrappy team under D'Amico Bryans. They'd really fight. But it's been the offense that has, you know, been more, um, you know, been more of a positive than the defense. And it's all beca- and it's all because of him, you know. If they had, God, what the, what the, the Davis, what the fuck is that guy? Davis name? Mills? Oh yeah, Davis Mills. Gee, that's how irrelevant <laughs> he, he's, he's forgettable. He yeah, I already forgot him. If they had him, they are not the team that they are this year, and they're not even a great team anyway. So, but whatever they have, I feel like that runs through Stroud. Yeah, C.J. Stroud putting up rookie numbers comparable to Justin Herbert's rookie year. Don't know if he'll keep up that pace, but nonetheless, a great start. A guy that has elevated talents like Nico Collins, like Tank Dell, and like lately Dalton Schultz. So just spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. But yeah, a guy that you absolutely thrilled to have. A guy that I am leaning on this week with Justin Fields, uh, doubtful to play against the Chargers. So shout out Ohio State. Shout out Ohio State. Uh, Yeah, C.J. Stroud holding it down for me, and I am not uh, not upset about it. I'm definitely more optimistic for him than I was about having to start Jordan Love last week, who scraped out 15 points out of his ass. But man, that guy is not great. All right. With my final pick, Pat, I am going to save him from the embarrassment of going undrafted because I still think he... I, I think he may have slid a little further in this than he should have. I thought about it with my last pick. I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs. Um, look, we... we it may sound disingenuous to just keep saying better days are ahead, better days are ahead, but he is... A rookie compliment to David Montgomery, who is obviously the primary back in this backfield. But now they are facing injury concerns. You, It's always the hope and the, I guess, assumption that a guy, when he gets hurt, is going to come back and be full strength and be good to go for the rest of the year. But like once you get hurt, there's always re-injury risk, there's re-injury possibility. And there's also just the chance that... Montgomery has gotten injured twice. Yeah, there's always there's also just the chance that Jameer Gibbs carves out more of a role for himself as the season goes on. And this is also more about looking at the rest of the rookie pool right now of guys that I would take. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to give spoilers on whoever your last pick is going to be because I'm going to say his name one way or the other. But there's the guys on here that are left. I mean, it's, you know, JSN. Josh Downs, if I had to guess, will be your pick. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, Michael Mayer. Like, there's guys here, Jaleel McLaughlin, but none of them I'm more excited about than Jameer Gibbs. He's still a first-round capital talent, and I still think he'll be serviceable sometimes. I I agree that he's got far more ceiling than any of those guys you just listed. And, again, just looking at it this next week, assuming David Montgomery doesn't play, he's got a Monday night matchup against the Raiders, who just got their asses eaten by Deontay Foreman. Yep. So, uh, again, assuming no David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs is a must-start this week. And I do think he's going to carve out more of a role going forward. But it's just like, at the end of the day, like I don't think he's necessarily going to start cutting into David Montgomery's work. I just think they're going to start getting more plays for him 
You know, if, if, if you know what yeah. I mean, like I could just see his role expanding rather than actually cutting into those traditional down carries. Uh, go- touchdowns are going to be hard to come by when David Montgomery's in because he's yes, been so definitely. effective on the goal line. But yeah, it, I definitely agree he's got the ceiling, <clears throat> but it's been disappointing, and I think that's mostly in part to Dan Campbell. But there's also the fact that, like, I think people expected a little too much out of him, the fact that he was never this early down short yardage back at Alabama, and people just suddenly expected him to be in the NFL. And maybe he could become more of that, but that's just never who he's been. And he's really a compliment, and it's just like, then why'd you draft him at 12? Yeah, well, but, uh, that's, that's the and thing. And they said it's, they would have drafted speaks... him at 7. You know, yeah, that's the thing. It speaks to, you know, not that it was, I'm not going to call it a bad pick by Detroit, but it's like this guy was projected the whole time through the whole draft process as maybe late first, but probably an early second round pick. And, you know, we've even seen guys projected like that at running back that end up falling to late second because it's just there's not a positional demand. I think the Lions, and not that this is their problem, but definitely did create some unrealistic expectations for him by drafting him that high when the talent says, or the skill set, I should say, says that those projections were probably right that he should have gone more late in the first early second but they were like let's they're like we want our guy little did we know them getting their guy just meant they wanted their guy to fill maybe a more niche role not not a super he's not jd mckissick don't get me wrong but this is just maybe less than what i drafted him in number one in our last draft to be yeah, it, it, exactly. I just think, yeah, I think looking back, that's more so of like uh, people were just kind of a little rose-colored glasses there. All right, rounding this out, I'm really torn between two guys here. Um, honorable mention, Dalton Kincaid, who we'll talk about. That dude is about to fucking blast off. Yes, he um, is. I think we've just seen that there have been a little, you know, too many cooks in that kitchen. Uh, but there's still, like we talked about it, there is still room for him to become the clear number two target behind Stephon Diggs. No mm. one has really grabbed it. Gabe Davis is getting the touchdowns, which look great. But at the end of the day, he's not really getting that usage. Shout out Dalton Kincaid. I'm not picking him. I'm torn between these two guys. <clears throat> I own a lot of both of them. I think in this instance, I am going to round out our draft with Tank Dell over Josh Downs. Just because okay. of the fact that we have seen Dell do it a little more. Like even this past week, Downs still, you know, a lot of bigger plays. He's still not getting quite the volume, but it's clear that he. And Gardner Minshew, or you like this? Like he is clearly becoming the number one wide receiver in that group, where it's going to be Gardner Minshew the rest of the year. But I'm going to go Tank Dell just because he's shown an even better bond with C.J. Stroud. God, I've said this so many times that when they drafted C.J. Stroud, he said, "I want Tank Dell. You guys need to go get Tank Dell." And they listen, and we've seen it. Same thing for Dell. I think the more and more he gets involved, he is going to just similar to Rashi Rice. He's just going to get better and better, and. Mm-hmm. We've seen the we've seen some volume. We've seen the ceiling as well. He had that huge week before he got hurt. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Tank Dell, but very close to taking Josh Downs in this spot. Yeah, I, I am surprised that you took Tank Dell there. I also want to point out that you drafted uh, three players on my roster. So thank you for yeah. that. Um, but and the, I just didn't take one. I I'm a Josh Downs owner, and I did not just. Take I know. One, I know. I, I do want to. I do want to mention one thing that I mean. I don't know if this is going to become a factor, but Tank Dell's emergence came when Noah Brown went on IR. Noah Brown has since returned since Tank Dell has missed those games with concussions. So it's yet remains to be seen how their playing time is going to be split. There's no question who the better, more explosive player is. 
But we've seen, you know, teams use receivers because of certain skill sets. I mean, Pat, Jake Bobo is cutting into JSN's target share and snap share quite a bit because he just fills a different sort of role. So I'm not sure how these two are going to coexist. Will Tank Dell keep at 70 plus percent snap share? Yeah, the, the thing there is just that, like, I feel like if we hadn't seen it yet from Dell, that would be a little bit more. I mean, yeah, that's a plausible mm-hmm. take for sure. But I just think that had we not seen it, had it's like Dell was just kind of like all talk, it would be like, yeah, but we've seen it. We've seen what he can do. We've yeah. seen him be a more productive player than Noah Brown. And Noah Brown will still you know, have his role there, but I'm just not necessarily as concerned just because of the fact that we have seen Dell produce. Yeah, I understand that. I think it's more of a, you know, and hopefully you're not this desperate anyway at this point, but I probably don't feel good about putting Tank Dell in my lineup in his first game back, considering it'll be his first time playing yeah. since that breakout with Noah Brown active. So it'll be interesting to see how those things shape out. And yeah, and I, I would, but I'd argue Josh Downs is in a similar vein where it's like he's really close, but like I'm not, if like my ideal lineup is in there without injuries and buys, Tank Dell's probably, I mean, excuse me, Josh Downs is probably still not getting started in a lot of leagues too. So yeah, yeah he, he, flip a coin there basically. I think both players have their merit there and are both going to be really good this year and also beyond. Absolutely. Not even a mention Our- of JSN either. You didn't even mention no. him until you only mentioned him in vain of Jake Bobo for fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just like, look, he had a pretty good game this past week because DK Metcalf was out, but that's going to be the story. It seems like all year is he going to only produce when one of those guys is out, and that may happen you know, more than a handful of times here through the rest of the year. They, it, both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have missed time, but it's just not a reliable thing to bank no. on. No, yeah, everyone else that we picked ahead of him is already more involved, let alone with a path yeah. to playing time. They have their path. Like, they are on their path to playing time. But the one thing with JSN, say Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf gets hurt in Week 12, you're looking at a possible league winner. But Absolutely. for right now, like, unless I have, like, a very – like, in our league, for example, like, I have two wide-open roster spots right now that are just mm. wide open. I have no – Me too. <laughs> you know, I have no plan in mind. If you've truly got that open of a revolving door and you want to scoop JSN up, sure – but he is not touching any lineups. Even even if like Metcalf misses again this week, I would not comfortably start no. JSN. Unless, there's no way you don't have better options. So I, I would say unless there's a better option, but there's just no there's just no plausible way in that situation. And, and this is what I mean for reference: DK Metcalf missing this week. Tyler Lockett seventy percent of snaps. JSN sixty three percent of snaps. Jake Bobo seventy five percent of snaps. So. And there's even another hurdle here in the form of Jake Bobo that we were not anticipating for JSN. I just don't think the JSN breakout is going to happen save for, you know, significant injuries that keep guys out long term. But to recap our rookie draft here, my five players are Bijan Robinson, Sam Laporta, Devon Achan, Rasheed Rice, and Jameer Gibbs. Pat's five players, Puka Nakua, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, CJ Stroud, and Tank Dell. Let us know who put together the better five. Let us know which players you guys want to have on your roster for the rest of this fantasy season. But I will say it's great that there are 10 rookies already halfway, not even halfway through the year that are oh my lineup God, staples. Pat. I think the only guy that you would argue was not a lineup staple in that group is Tank Dell, the last guy we picked besides that. Well, and yeah. Rice hasn't been yet, but Rice will be. Rice, like, if I have Rice in leagues, I'm starting him this week I'm, for the most part. So, like, the fact that we have this many guys and Kincaid that we talked about as lineup possibilities is great. It, Pat, it speaks to I, – I realized this when I was putting together my potential lineup going forward. So this week I'm already starting C.J. Stroud, 
Jordan Addison and Sam Laporta. That's both by wow. need and by choice with some of them. And I have potentially, maybe we'll see a trade in the works for Bijan Robinson. If that were to go through, four rookies, Pat, in yeah. my starting lineup. And granted, Stroud will hopefully not be there all year. Hopefully, Fields comes back and is good to go. But four four rookies in my starting lineup that I feel good about. Like yeah, it's not, yeah. Yeah. it's 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 almost unheard of. It's not and like I'm trying to do this. Well. Yeah, the tag Dell has a depth option also. So it no, it's crazy I how many two reliable this week. I started Anders Carlson this week and he fucking oh stunk and the God. Packers fucking stink. Rookie kickers, bro. You are a Packers bold man. fan. Your team stinks. So do ours, but your team stinks. Our teams are pretty yeah, we directed may be. at one person. Oh, <laughs> Any, not any, Gary. It's not Gary. It's not you, Gary. Any year that uh, you know, it, remove the Bears and the Panthers and the Cardinals from Earth. I guess our three teams, at least talent-wise, should have just the top three picks. I mean, granted, the Raiders have shown fight, and now the Patriots showed some fight. What the fuck was that, by the way? I have no clue what the fuck happened. I mean, sure, I guess beat the Bills. You can't be, be happy my guess. with that win, can you? I feel like a bad fan, Pat. I feel like a really bad fan because so I here's be. I would not be. No, here, here's what I'll say. I watched the game, or at least I watched it via Red Zone all Sunday, and uh, we're just moving on from the rookie stuff at this point. Let us know who you think did better. But I watch, uh, you know, they kept tuning into that game, and it's like the natural part of me, every time we do something good, is like, yeah, let's go. Like, go Patriots. Like, fuck up Josh Allen. Fuck the Bills. Let's let's do this. And then it's just like a whole time in the back of my head, I'm like, we don't really want that. And then after the game's over and it kind of, you know, it, you can reevaluate, I'm like, I don't want to be in limbo. I don't want to be the team that sucks and then has the number like nine pick in the NFL. Like I don't want to do all that. I want it. Yeah. If we, <laughs> yes, if we're gonna be bad, let's be bad. We have every excuse to be bad. We lost our two best defensive players. We have zero offensive line. Let's be bad and let's go get a difference maker quarterback or a difference maker. Offensive lineman, I don't care. Somebody who is going to turn around this team or help to do so. I don't want to get stuck in limbo. It's just it, like, yes, drafting another player, the, the level of Christian Gonzalez, you know, who we got at, I think, number 17 overall. Great. But, like, what does winning games do for us this year except give us a little bit of pride? That That's all it is. And maybe I, that's worth more to some people, but I'm just like, I don't want to I feel stuck. the same way. Like, when the Raiders got to 3-3 three and three after winning, it was like, okay, like, either you need to contend – like now that you're got you're three and three, you need to go for it, mm-hmm. and just embarrassing, a- a- absolutely, yeah. absolutely embarrassing. I hope they do not win another game this year. Um, starting Brian Hoyer, who has thrown like one touchdown in the last like ten years, yep, was embarrassing. Yeah. Even <laughs> you, you have a rookie in Aiden O'Connell who at least showed something in the preseason. Yeah. Granted, it's the preseason, but we've seen Brian Hoyer do nothing for a decade. To start him in a winnable game, a game that you had to win if you mm. want to contend. Asinine. Absolutely asinine. And now it's at the point where they're, what, three and four? What, uh, they'll get their shit rocked by the Lions on Monday. But then they've got the Giants and the Jets. Oh, Two very winnable games. I'll bet you they'll win those. And then they'll be at five and five, and I'll just want to die. So, and, and, and see, that's the thing is like you know beating teams that you're not expecting to beat when you're in this situation where you kind of just want a high draft pick is so annoying because now you're like well what if we beat the teams that we are supposed to beat and then we're stacking up these wins and we get to six seven eight and it's like well what the fuck are we doing all that for so i didn't realize it was lions raiders monday by the way that is oh yeah it'll be awesome in detroit oh god 
We know how oh, God. Detroit does at home. They are. Oh God. They are, we saw them on the road this week. They are a different team at home. But like, yeah. I, and again, kind of a similar. God, this wasn't on our sheet. But we'll talk about it anyway. I was talking to one of our Giants fan listeners, Mister B Dags, and he was basically saying at this point, it's like one. They're not going to get the number one pick, and two, they're not going to draft Caleb Williams. Like they no. just gave all that money to Daniel Jones. It's like, what do they have to gain by drafting Caleb Williams? So I guess if you look at it, obviously that's a different perspective. We both have teams here who have a, you know, could easily get Caleb Williams. You know, that mm-hmm. there is if an easy way right. to someone to push out of the way for Caleb Williams. It's just been an interesting, really tank year. And honestly, I think the Bears are going to have the first pick just because, not because of them, but because of the Panthers. Yes. I just don't see the Panthers Precisely. winning more than a couple games this year. So all this tankathon talk for Caleb is nothing. And then the Bears, the Bears may be real happy. The Panthers may be real mad. They might have gotten just, the wrong guy. Justin Fields could find himself in either a Patriots or Raiders jersey this time next year. Who knows how that will transpire if they get the number one pick and Caleb Williams. Well, Pat, let's move on here to some fantasy news and notes. We've got plenty of injuries and waiver targets to go along with them. Uh, Let me hit the uh, shenanigans real quick. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. So first things first, not a guy who's necessarily dealing with a uh, reported injury anymore, but is clearly still hobbled. Friend of the show, Austin Eckler. Last week, we were relatively optimistic on the guy because we saw him get a good amount of touches in his first game back off the ankle injury. Now, again, similar workload, but you have to start getting a little worried about the lack of effectiveness. So last week... 14 carries, 27 yards, and then four catches for 35. But then this week, 14 carries for 45 yards and one catch for one yard on, I think, two targets. Who are we talking about? Oh, that that would be a uh, uh, friend friend of the show. Oh, were you talking about noted off the bench guest Austin Eckler? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't yep. sure there for a second. Okay. Yeah, that's the guy. He's he's been a guest on our podcast. Uh, go back and listen to that episode if you uh, want to hear us talk to Austin Eckler. Yeah, but it's, it's anyway, it's, it's better than this. Go right now, actually. You <laughs> go, leave go, the screen right now. It's fine. Watch that. Let's go right now. Absolutely, go right now. But yeah, Austin Eckler not looking very good. Um, I'm not pressing the panic button necessarily but it definitely causes some concern because look if you're the Eckler owner what do you do because you had this guy sitting on your bench for weeks not playing hoping he'd come back and save you now he's put up essentially two duds since he's come back and yes they were against tough matchups I want to note that that this may not just be a case of him being hobbled even though he clearly is a little hobbled the Chiefs and Cowboys defenses are no joke but what do you do? Like, do you keep just holding on and hoping things get better? Because if he gets back to form, you, if you have him, you probably have a bad record. You need him to save you and lift you up. But what if he doesn't do that? So I, it's just a very tough place to be in with Austin Eckler right now. I think I, if you don't own him, you, I think buying low on him is definitely the move if you can do that. Because You're six and one like that, yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, I, Pat, transparently, I've tried. The uh, Eckler owner in our league is holding on to him like gold and not giving any sort of discount for the lack of production that he's had so far so that's no dice but if you're in a league where the owner is maybe a little bit more iffy on Eckler and you can get him cheap I would do so Uh, it's kind of just a a good faith thing that you know ankle sprains you're only going to get healthier as long as you don't fully re-aggravate it like as each week goes on hopefully he starts to feel better and better and more importantly I mentioned before about Bijan Robinson's fantasy playoff schedule Austin Eckler's fantasy playoff schedule. Pat, you want to know who he plays twice over the course of the fantasy Ooh, the playoffs? The Broncos? 
The Denver Broncos. Oh, They're dear. two divisional oh. games against the Denver Broncos come over the course of the fantasy playoffs. So if you can get Austin Eckler, he's maybe the ultimate league winner if he's healthy enough to do so. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. It's been disappointing so far, but I do think better days are ahead. Um, now, I mean, a player not quite on Austin Eckler's level, Pat. I'll go ahead and, and dare and say it. Uh, Jerome Ford, <laughs> dealing with the same injury, though. Low-grade, high ankle sprain. First Kareem of all, Hunt what also the fuck is up. a low-grade, high ankle sprain? It's called a medium ankle sprain. Like, when Schefter <laughs> tweeted that, I'm just like, his agent is just trying to pump stuff to Schefter. And, uh, <laughs> but a low-grade, high ankle sprain. I think, okay. I think it just uh, means any any it's other, not severe. I think low-grade. put in there like a, a low-medium junior, senior, sophomore, high ankle sprain like i like my stop. ankle sprains medium rare actually yeah exactly so yes jerome ford dealing with an ankle sprain kareem hunt also banged up but should be good to go and then pierre strong suddenly on radars i mean i, I that's just the dog days of fantasy if you have yeah. if you have pierre strong and i mean, I mean. You, you'll see you know, some of the things that pierre strong played like a lot more snaps than kareem hunt after ford went out but again hunt was also banged up to an extent yes. so you can't exclusively look at that i think the big thing here is just that Kareem Hunt's going to have all the opportunity in the world here without Jerome Ford. He's just kind of bad. Like uh, the efficiency yeah. has not been good at all. Even you, you look at this, you know, you look at this week's. But he's getting the goal line carries and he is getting the passing game involvement, and that's really all you can ask for. And despite how you know the okay the Browns have been, the offense puts points on the board. Like they are going to give him opportunities at the goal line, and he's shown he can make good on those. But um. Yeah, I think Pierre Strong is really, I guess you own him at this point, and more so as like a handcuff. Like, mm-hmm. I think he'll be more of a breather back than like a filling in Hunt's role that, um, you know, that Hunt will be sliding more into Fords. But uh, I feel like Kareem Hunt's probably owned in most leagues anyway, but I, I would say Hunt is probably, I-, I would say the top waiver priority, but he's probably not available in your league if you're in a very serious league. But yeah, he's definitely with, you know, by weeks injuries he is definitely playable flex guy yeah jerome ford expected to miss a couple weeks here so uh, adjust accordingly pat we touched on this with dalton kincaid earlier dawson knox has wrist surgery and that is going to potentially unleash dalton kincaid kincaid is already a guy whose playing time and target shares have been climbing they are through the roof when dawson knox is off the field and he's going to be off the field now for an uncertain amount of time. I mean, wrist surgery is a weird one because it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a long time. Uh, it could just be a couple weeks and then be a, maybe a pain tolerance thing. Um, we don't know what the deal is, but regardless, you have to go get Dalton Kincaid if he's available and uh, wait out and see what the result is. Yeah, for those of you who have been patient, I've held Dalton Kincaid on my bench in two leagues all year, and you've just got to be through the roof, especially with how bad tight end has been. Like, I've been in a league starting Hunter Henry every week. That's just Oof. how... And I'm five and two, and that's just how Oof. that's wow. just how brutal it is. But now knowing that you could slot Kincaid in there, the whole year it's been like, wow, his participation's great, his you know targets are promising, but the production wasn't there. You're like the positive regression has got to come. When is it coming? And now it's here, it's here. And you know he produced what I think he had like seven for eighty five in that ballpark um, mm. Sunday, and uh, no Dawson Knox because like it's a case where. It's still familiarity. Like, obviously, Kincaid's a better player than Knox, a different one, but Knox is going to be in the end zone. That's what he does. And obviously, that takes away the most valuable thing for a tight end, which is touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But we've seen Kincaid be a great receiver outside of the end zone. So if you can combine the touchdown upside that Dawson Knox had with there, 
great. And like I said, Gabe Davis, he, he, you know, he looks good. His season total looks pretty good, but it's all touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, good for Gabe, but it's all been touchdowns, and we've seen the duds more often than not. That number two role in a in a elite offense is very much up for grabs, and I think Dalton Kincaid is going to absolutely snatch the fuck out of it. Yeah, it's been the same talk on on Dalton Kincaid that it has been the whole time. Is that offense is desperately looking for another weapon, and now that potential weapon is going to actually be on the field the majority of the time. That's all we've been asking for with Dalton Kincaid is take the training wheels off. We're done with Dawson Knox. We don't need any more Dawson Knox. And I'll say this too, as a uh, as a James Cook owner, like that is not a guy they look for in the pass game. He he will get a couple receptions here and there, but Allen is not a check down to the running back type of guy. So Kincaid is going to get plenty of targets here going forward. The only competition he's really going to have is Stephon Diggs, obviously. So Kincaid to the moon. If you need a tight end, no matter what waiver spot you have, go get him. If you are in a fab waiver league, I would blow probably 50% on it. Especially if you're struggling at tight end. If you're fine at tight end, if you've got Mark Andrews or Sam Laporta or hell, even like George Kittle, I get Kittle's inconsistent, but like if you're going to have needs elsewhere, maybe not, but if you need, especially when, if you need a tight end, which you probably do, if you, Drafted Pat Fryermuth or Chigakonquo or whoever, but yeah, I I think Kincaid is a solid tight end one for the rest of the year. Absolutely agreed. And our final little injury note here: Christian Watson knee injury doesn't seem like it's going to be too serious, but not really a guy you've been relying on anyway. I mean, he hasn't been giving you yeah. the production that you wanted. I again, look Pat, I was trying to sell Jordan Addison to anybody who would buy last week. I didn't formally offer this, but I thought about offering Jordan Addison for Christian Watson, knowing that the Packers were going to play the Broncos, and I had Jordan. It was very much a one-week, but also long-term thing, because I still think Christian Watson's a good player. Um, thought about offering that. No, absolutely not. I'd rather put my head through a wall. Bad, like the, the offense does look bad. So Christian Watson is seems to be okay, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. If you are actually starting him, uh, obviously Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed would be stand to benefit if uh, something was yeah. wrong with Christian Watson, but as of now, we don't expect anything major. Pat... These backfields, they're messy. We got some messy backfields here. This one, so like there's been a long lineage. You know, Mike Shanahan, Bill Belichick, even Kyle Shanahan a little bit, Arthur Smith. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new fantasy football terrorist on our hands, and his name is Jonathan Gannon. Murr from Impractical Jokers. What the, do you think that's what it was like? Hey, 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 Q, Q, tell him, <laughs> Q him to play DiMarcano this week. <laughs> so, like, just to, just to, for those of you not following, to put this into perspective, James Conner goes down with an injury mid-game two weeks ago. Keontae Ingram's banged up. He's not really playing. Amari DiMarcano, rookie, undrafted, gets all the touches. Looks pretty good. So, obviously, we talked about it. Uh, you know, we talked about it then. You got to claim him. Yep, DiMarcano. Yep, yep, yep. Everybody claimed him. And then the report comes out, huh. Keontae Ingram's the number one running back on the depth chart. Captain Vowels himself. You should have, because Keontae Ingram was the lead back and looked okay. But we also saw a lot of Damian Williams, who has been out of the league for over a year. Mm -hmm. And very little DiMercato. So, okay, DiMercato, back to waivers with you. (laughs) Then we come back to this week. Keontae Ingram did not play a snap on offense. He was exclusively playing special teams. Damian Williams barely played, and it was all Amari DiMercato. And granted, modest production, didn't have a great day. But I don't even want to call him the lead back because can we like we can't trust any of the guys in the backfield because we no. can't trust the backfield. 
We can't yeah. trust who's going to be out there, let alone that person producing. Yeah. It's it's very confusing now. Keontae Ingram, uh, look, I'll say this. I'm just glad I didn't end up starting him because I was, as you know, very down bad for my RB2 last week and ended up starting Latavius Murray. I figured I was totally wrong on just the game script in general in that game. I figured the Bills would be up a lot and running. Thankfully, James Cook did well. I don't know Fair. if you guys can hear the sirens. They're coming for me for considering starting Keontae Ingram. Uh, but Keontae Ingram, yeah, no snaps. Booted him from my lineup just right off the bat this morning. Uh, him and Jordan Love both kicked them straight off the roster. So goodbye, Keontae Ingram. And yeah, going forward, I mean, like, I guess if you have to pick, it's Di Mercado. Uh, but there's really nothing you're going to feel good about because I don't know. I don't know how you predict any. This is all, they're going to go ahead and sign Leonard Fournette next. I guarantee it. Just watch. But you'd think that Dee Mercado would be the guy because Damian Williams, like, stop it. Like, let, let's stop it. Like, Jonathan mm-hmm. Gannon needs to stop it with, with Damian Williams. Dee Mercado has shown to at least be more a more intriguing player than Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram's been behind James Conner for a few years there, and everyone's like, oh, Keontae Ingram. Mm-hmm. Even this before this offseason, like, oh, if James Conner stinks so bad, Keontae Ingram should get opportunities. No, nope. because he's not that good. And, you know, who's to say this Di Mercado kid is either, but at the very least, if you're the Cardinals, you want to see what you've got in this kid. So if I had to guess, I would guess they would go with Di Mercado. Granted, James Conner could be back relatively soon. This could all be null and void in a few weeks if James Conner comes back and gets the stranglehold back on this backfield, which he will when right. he comes back. But, um, yeah, we had an upset. We had a very upset listener. <clears throat> um our, our buddy B. Dags, his girlfriend, played fantasy mm. football this year, and she listens. Which, okay. first of all, nice. the rule one of off the bench, do not listen to us. Listen to us physically, <laughs> but do not listen. Do not don't process take, and, don't take our and, you know, and replicate what we tell you. Don't do that. Uh-huh. But she's all mad because, you know, we said play D. Mercado the week before. He was ass, and then we said fuck D. Mercado. She dropped him. Mm-hmm. She's going through all the roller coasters, but everybody is. Like when I put out that. our that's viewer, not that's not you, on us. When he put out our viewer questions on Instagram, I said, "Don't ask us about the Cardinals' backfield. We don't know. We don't know. I'm sorry, Katie. We don't know." Yeah, no, it's it's nobody knows. It's our pets' heads are falling off. I'm done talking about the Cardinals' backfield. Pat, the Colts' backfield is one near and dear to your heart, as we have touched on many yeah. times. Zach Moss. Outsnapped Jonathan Taylor, but not by a lot, 51 to 49%. Granted, we are heading into, what, week three of Jonathan Taylor's return, so the fact that it is still this even is notable. Um, Taylor outproduced Moss, 75, 57 yards, also added 45 yards in the air. Obviously, Zach Moss isn't going away, and I feel like this is just worth checking in every week, Pat. What do you think the split is going to be rest of the season, and how do you how do you feel 1 to 10 optimism-wise as a Jonathan Taylor owner? Honestly, like eight. Like okay. I feel a lot Fair better because I I feel like I just needed to see that he could produce. Because mm-hmm. the fact that he could produce what he did with a forty nine per you know with a forty nine percent snap share at running back is significant. You know we saw him look explosive. He he ripped off a long uh you know uh, a long reception and you could see him. You know he, you know did his little stutter step thing and he he looked good. He looked like Jonathan Taylor and and Zach Moss just didn't look nearly nearly as effective. But I think I just needed to see it because at the end of the day, we said it, whatever, 42 million reasons Mm -hmm. for them to use Jonathan Taylor. And I think they're just going to keep doing that more and more. I think a realistic split, like I think at Taylor's peak this season, barring injury, of course, to anyone, probably like 65-35. But I I don't even think it gets exactly what I was thinking. But I think it's a slow burn, though. I don't think we're going to see a jump. Like I think next week we will see Taylor out-snap him. 
we will see him out touch him, but I would I wouldn't say it's going to even be at 60-40 yet. Yeah. But that said, you know, we saw Taylor do it against the the Browns who had been a great a great front defense up front. So I think I just really needed to see it first to kind of just believe because I'd sat him for two weeks and I almost sat him for Deontay Foreman, which would have been a good decision, by the way. <clears throat> but knowing that now, like, I'm going to be confident moving forward putting him in. And I think at the end of the day, Taylor's talent is just going to win over. The fact that he yeah. is a much more talented player and he's going to produce much more than Zach Moss. Yeah, at this point, both startable players still. Uh, Zach Moss. Sure probably retains flex value for most of the season i would say i mean he'll definitely get bodied by some bad matchups here and there yeah i mean he's not an auto start in your flex at all but he's a startable player at the very least so uh look definitely a better season for zach moss than any of us envisioned considering you know jonathan taylor is fully back in the mix and moss is still alive pat i think probably the grossest backfield in its current standing even grosser than the cardinals i will say as much uh what is up with the nfc west backfields right now the Rams. Everyone blowing their fab and their waiver claim for Zach Evans, my boy, my personal boy. Yeah, you've been talking does, about him. Doesn't even play. Doesn't play. Zero snaps. The one thing though is Sean McVay warned us as much. Yes, at the he very did. least, he did. He, you know, he did the coach speak like, "Oh yeah, he's still learning." Huge mm. red flag. Yes, in absolutely. This one year, a guy that's been inactive, which means they don't even trust him on special teams. They don't trust him on any kind of package. For them to for him to say he's still learning, huge red flag. <clears throat> so people knew, yeah. and people kind of anticipated that, like, hey, Daryl Henderson is familiar with the offense. You know, hasn't been in football really playing, and he shows up and he gets the most touches. He gets the touchdowns. Um, I guess similar to the Bills, they don't throw to the wall with the running back a ton in this offense. Yeah. But he did get a decent like eight percent target share, as opposed to Royce Freeman, who did not get a target. But it means you know. Freeman did outproduce him in less touches, but I think it's the usage that tells the story here. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think the one surprise here might be Miles Gaskin not being involved at all. Um, I mean, look, he was a healthy hard- scratch. He, yeah, exactly. Healthy yeah. scratch. It, it was surprising, I think, just in the sense that, like, look, the whole backfield is gross. Um, but this was a guy that they actively brought in knowing the injuries that they had. And even with Zach Evans not playing, it was the Henderson and Royce Freeman show, which was just a little odd. I don't know. I'll be curious to see if we see Gaskin get involved at any point during the uh, stint of these guys being on IR, these guys being Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers. Uh, but for now, I mean, yeah, Henderson's definitely the guy you trust the most. Like we we mentioned, like he's the one that has produced in this offense less than a year ago, calendar-wise, and now he just did it this past Sunday. So he's the guy that you want if you want any of them. You probably don't want any of them, uh, ideally, I, I, but I'm picking this is where up we're Darryl at. Henderson, if I can, at the very least, picking okay. him up. But, yeah, definitely rosterable at you least. You know, they're they're in in considering to start him. Like, there is a lot yeah. of leagues where I've looked and like he's been like the shining light of the waiver wire. That's saying yeah. something too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's been like, where it's like, okay, this is a guy that at least I can consider starting because that's kind of what you're looking for on the waiver wire. And again, still solid offense. Still, you know, moves pretty well. And you know, they. But the thing is, we talked about it. Like, Sean McVay loves just giving one guy all the work. But it's clear that Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman are not those guys. They are no. not. They are not him. <clears throat> um, they cannot handle that. But the one thing to say is that obviously we don't know what Kyron Williams' deal is. But if you can buy low on Kyron Williams, do it. Because I think if he comes back healthy, it's going to be his backfield. You know, we saw them, you know, take a guy off the street <clears throat> and have him 
leapfrog everyone to, te- to technically be the RB1. If Kyron Williams is healthy, it's going to be his backfield. So, yes. if you can buy low on Kyron Williams, I would absolutely do it. If you have Kyron Williams, you know, don't panic. Obviously, you're panicking because he's in your IR spot, but, like, let it, you know, be known that this backfield is disgusting, and I don't mm-hmm. think there's anybody that's going to emerge that is going to steal a significant amount of his work when he is healthy. And I didn't feel, and I felt that way about Ronnie Rivers, too. Had Ronnie Rivers got hurt and he was the lead back in here, I'd feel the same way. But so long as Williams comes back healthy, I think you've still got to feel good about him going forward. Zach Evans' season will be upon us one day, but that day is not today. That day is not today. It's not tomorrow. <laughs> it may be it's never. It's, it's probably not it, this us. season. Thank you, Sean yeah. McVay. You are a handsome yeah. man. Yeah, it is just funny. He did tell us, so at least you, you probably, hopefully didn't start. I mean, somebody in our league did, but you hopefully didn't start him. Uh, but still, you burned your waiver claim on him before you found out that information. Nonetheless, bummer on Zach Evans, but at least you kind of know where things stand. Like- I would have bitten if I had the claim. Um, so I'm glad I didn't. Now instead, yeah. I, I've saved my claim, and I'm a little bit higher up than I otherwise would have been. Pat, the Bears' backfield. We touched on Deonta Foreman being an absolute tank monster. Three touchdowns in that game. Darrington so Evans, hard, Darrington Evans mixing in, you know, a decent amount. 14 carries. Um, we're trying to figure out now how this backfield is going to shake out once Roshan Johnson comes back. I did some digging because it felt like deja vu, Pat. Deonta Foreman is just the guy that pops yep. up and scores three touchdowns every once in a while, and that's because he did. He did it last year uh, right after the Christian McCaffrey trade to the 49ers for the Panthers. Deonta Foreman had a three-touchdown game, and this was when Chuba Hubbard was injured. I remember at the time it was, which one of these guys do you want? Because we weren't sure who was going to get the majority of the work. It ended up being Foreman off the bat because Chuba was hurt. And then when Chuba came back, the Panthers, shockingly, had one of the more potent run games in the league. Both guys were actually playing pretty well. And that, you know, obviously we're on a different team. It's a different situation. It's a different player. Chuba Hubbard's not involved here. But I feel like it's going to play out somewhat similarly for the duration that Khalil Herbert is out. Uh, Yeah, I honestly think maybe even a little less so because just the fact that Chuba Hubbard was at least more of an established guy, had been around, you know, Roshan Johnson still a guy that's getting worked into the offense. Mm-hmm. In, to, to Foreman's point, like he also came in and played well two years ago in Tennessee when Derrick Henry got hurt. So yep. this guy has performed, you know, yeah, exceptionally definitely. well for a backup who gets sprung into, you know, being a starter. Is he going to score thirty points every week? No, but uh, but I, I just think it's more so the fact that like because I was kind of worried in picking him up, being like, oh, if Johnson plays his values down, and I don't think that's the case. No, I think Johnson will probably take a lot of the passing down stuff and still slowly be incorporated more and more. But like you said, I think it's really when Khalil Herbert comes back that the question marks are going to be, what can we do with this backfield? But I think even if Johnson comes back, I think Foreman is certainly on the flex radar. What they play the Chargers this week, they have not been great Mm -hmm. against the run. So I think he is a very startable option this week with or without Roshan Johnson. But again, another thing kind of the context with Darrington Evans as well is Foreman did hurt his back at one point and was out of the game for a little bit. So that might have been, uh, again, uh, you know, I don't know the exact number. Don't, don't come at me with pitchforks. But that might have been when Evans started to get a little bit more of that work, but he didn't do anything with it. And he's not going to do anything. You know, when Roshan Johnson comes back, Darrington Evans is not going to be a thing there. But uh, two former Titans in that backfield, that's, that's gross. And they won, by the way, yeah. by a lot. Because the Raiders fucking stink. So Yeah. And that's one thing to note, too, is that the Bears – probably aren't going to have that game script in their favor a exactly. whole whole lot 
um, you know, there's definitely games that they'll be able to keep close here coming up because or they, you know, have the potential to at least, uh, but not ones that they're going to blow out teams. Look, the Chargers game should at least be close. If not, they get blown out by an angry Chargers team, but I'm kind of done putting too much faith in the Chargers. Uh, then they play the Saints, great defense. They'll yeah, play the Panthers. Yeah. There's blowout potential there. I mean, Foreman yeah. could, you know, have his little revenge game against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, by that point after that, they play the Lions, and we're talking about a potential Khalil Herbert return by then. So I think, um, you know, Foreman is at least a potential flex play. Just beware of tough matchups because last year, you know, he had that three-touchdown game. Pat, do you want to know what he followed that up immediately with in a game against the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, like an egg because I traded him to you for Gabe Davis, didn't I? <laughs> You might have. Seven yeah. carries for 23 yards. So yeah. that is very much on the table for a guy like Deontay Foreman, who is not an elusive player. He's kind of just a give me a bunch of carries and I will, I will run through a motherfucker's face, as Marshawn yeah. Lynch would Very say. Um, so, you know, the, the floor is definitely there. But until Khalil Herbert comes back, I think he's more than startable, even if Roshan Johnson returns, who I think could also potentially have flex value, at least in PPR leagues. But that one, I would wait to see how it plays out before inserting yeah, Roshan one of those in my lineup. Before you, you do anything about it. Yeah, and then finally a backfield close to my heart, the New England Patriots, and a player I actually dropped like right before kickoff because I just knew there was probably no world where I was going to end up starting him, Ezekiel Elliott. So Zeke outcarried Ramondre Stevenson on fewer snaps. Neither one of them was very good. Zeke ended up finding the end zone, um, and that is the one thing that I think you can kind of count on because we've seen it enough now. And that's what he was brought in to do, right? We knew this. Zeke is going to be the one that gets the ball most of the time on the goal line and near the goal line. The question becomes, how often are the Patriots going to get to the goal line? Because the offense generally hasn't looked that good. So, Pat, I dropped him just because, look, I, again, I started Latavius Murray this week. Now I've got one of my running back bye weeks out of the way. That's Brees Hall. James Cooks is in several weeks from now, but I'm just like, when am I going to feel good about starting Zeke when I can just start, I don't know, somebody, whoever the hot name of the week is on the wire. Exactly. He just he, he felt like he was clogging my bench, and it just didn't feel good. It didn't feel like a player with any sort of upside. So, But if you uh, you know, even, if you were really down bad, maybe you go for Zeke. Even if, like, Ramondre were to get hurt, I mean, Zeke would obviously, his role would expand. Right. But, like, even then, I still wouldn't be, like, That's the thing. I considered that as well. Yeah. The offense has just been so bad. Ramondre has been at just a huge whiff you know, in terms of, you know, mm -hmm. everybody – even when Zeke came, I think the kind of the consensus was like, eh, yeah, like maybe be a little worried about the goal line and stuff. But like, yeah, it's Ramondre. It's been no one. Yeah. It has been, uh, obviously, we talked about the tough sledding in New England. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just ugly. Like, it's just kind of baffling just what that backfield situation is. But hey, Zeke's getting the touchdowns, man. If you get whatever, touchdown premium league or something stupid, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, no, there is not, I guess, rostering. But like you said, there's really no appeal like there's not like oh this guy's one injury away or like yeah you know, he's one injury away from true. being those are the startable kind of guys you but... don't want a roster so yeah especially old ass running backs especially yeah it just, it just felt like I was pre preventing myself from potentially opening up that roster spot for somebody who could be a difference maker at some point. I mean, look, anybody left on the wire in free agency at this point in the season is an absolute dart throw and you're just hoping for the best but it's better than a guy like Zeke. I couldn't look at Zeke and Latavius Murray next to each other on my bench anymore, Pat. I couldn't do it. Like, and I'm going to keep Latavius Murray for the reason that I have James Cook. It's a fucking but retirement home. 
It was so retired. I picked up Leonard Fournette too, so I oh, couldn't. Oh God! I, that was that was actually who I dropped Zeke for. I'm curious to see who Fournette signs with. So I'm kind of talking out both sides of my mouth here with inefficient running backs. Browns. That you're never gonna feel good about starting. So oh God, Leonard Fournette is a problem. I'm kind of hoping Cowboys. That's that's my that's my pipe dream hope, Pat, because Tony Pollard is clearly not getting it done on the goal line. He's just a small guy. That's what they use Zeke for. There's a reason Zeke had like 11 touchdowns last year. I could see yeah. Fournette maybe filling that role. Um, he but, is Pat's pal. Who is Tony Pollard? Oh, okay. I thought you meant Leonard Fournette. I was like, oh, no. I don't recall that. That would be that'd be strange. Uh, but Leonard Fournette did, I think, tweet that he was going to announce on like a, a stream or Twitch stream or Kick stream or something that uh, he's going to announce where he's signing this week. And I'm like, he's he's going to be on Omegle well, announcing. Uh, I think, I'm like. I'm like, I think this is just bait to get more followers on this site because there's no shot that I wouldn't have heard news of you visiting somewhere or any sort of rumblings after that uh, that Bills thing ended up getting nixed. So we'll see if Leonard Fournette winds up on a team. If he's not on the team in like a day, I'm or I guess two days after our waivers go through, I am booting him to the moon as well. Pat, Probably let's finish things right off anyway. with our viewer questions here. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. All right, the first question is one that we actually already answered, um, and I, I was wondering how my brain got to that topic of what to do if you have Eckler with a bad record, and it was because I wrote down yeah. the viewer question and forgot. So, yeah, the question was, is it time to consider moving on from Eckler at 1-6 and six, uh, from Valerie Foyston? I would say, look, if you're really lacking depth um, – and you and Eckler's like the only player worth a damn on your roster, then yes, trade him for, you know, a couple of players and hope for the best. But otherwise, like hold on to him and hope he digs you out of that hole because I think he's as good of a bet as anybody to do so. It's just it's hard because he's leaving a bad taste in people's mouths. I guess this is more of just a, a general thing that Eckler, if you're one and six, the answer is yes. Like, do I move on from this person? Mm-hmm. Probably. You got to do like, something. Yeah. So it's probably not all his fault, in yeah, fairness. Of course, but if you're one and six and you're asking that question, it probably means that you've been severely let down by a player, whether it's been injury, whether it's been production. Again, I would say the only issue is you're not going to recoup as much value as you might. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like, you know, say like you keep losing, but he keeps, you know, he pops off this week. Then you trade him. Because then you might, you know, you get some more value back, you know. Yeah. It's just the problem right now is his value is as low as it's going to get. His value was yeah. higher when he wasn't playing than it is now. That's honestly. true. So that's that's, true. that's my only qualm. There is just I don't know what you would get for him. But again, if you're one and six, I'd just be panicking in general. Sorry. Yeah, I, and look, losing Eckler is definitely a blow, but. Uh, that is not the only reason that a team is going to be one and six. There's obviously other things that went wrong. So got to recoup some value somewhere. Pat, this question, is it time to panic on Calvin Ridley? This question from Tippy Bite. Um, from your yes. resident Calvin Ridley owner? Yes. Calvin Ridley is just becoming a matchup dependent player. And look, he's a matchup dependent player with a ceiling, I would still say, as high as a lot of receivers in the league. Absolutely. But it's just not a guy that you can rely on week to week. Like one catch for five yards is as bad as it gets. And that's coming off of a game against the Indianapolis Colts, who he torched week one where he was underwhelming against them as well. He has now had two games this year that have been, here's the the thing. He's either had great games or awful games. He has not had like an acceptable game. He has had just great or awful. And now two out of seven games so far for him have been passable, even though they've been really good. Like the other ones, he's always below 
around 40 yards, in this case, well below 40 yards. So, yes, I, I, the only thing I would say is he has been apparently the zone beater versus the man beater, and he's got plenty of zone-heavy teams lined up mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the season. Not not this week against the Steelers. They lean more man. Um, and then he's got a matchup against the Browns in a few weeks who also lean more man, but mostly it is zone. So, look, if you want to throw him in your flex still for those games, I would say feel free to do so and just kind of monitor how this these this receiver room shakes out. He's still getting targets most games, but yeah. it's just he is not he's not what you draft him to be in the third round. And in fairness, Pat, hardly any receiver is that you draft in the third round this year. It's kind of been a wasteland. Yeah, it's been zero RB. No, <clears throat> zero RB said, didn't work either. Nothing worked. Not in, not in the third. In the third round, it was just Mark Andrews or Travis Etienne or you had got fucked. That was basically yeah, it. Basically. Um, I think, and I think the big issue, one of the big issues of Calvin really has been Travis Etienne, that he has gotten so much volume and been so effective with it that the Jags feel comfortable leaning on him as much. You know, we've talked about Trevor Lawrence week in, week out. It's just been very mid. It was funny how, like, yep. I was saying how, like, oh, God, he's injured. I hope he gets one of his 15-point games. And then he goes out there and has his best fantasy game of the season. Granted, yeah. a lot of rushing, but... <clears throat> but I think the fact that this has not been nearly as high volume of an offense as we thought it's been. And at the end of the day, he's kind of going to his old reliables, Christian Kirk and Evan Engram, who have both been really solid, as opposed to a guy like Ridley, who he kind of looks to for more of these big plays, where I've, there's been so many plays where Ridley's caught a ball in the end zone, where like only one foot's been in bounds or no feet have been in bounds. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like he's the home run guy, and granted, with the home run guy, you're going to miss a lot, you know? They swing and miss. Hello, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. They swing and miss a lot. But, um... <laughs> So, yes, I I am panicking on Calvin Ridley if you have him just because you need something a little more reliable. Like, you need to win every week. And Mm -hmm. sure, he could go and pop off for you, but he could give you four points and you could lose by five points. You know what I'm saying? Like, these matchups come down to points sometimes and you can't have a guy that is more likely to lay an egg than have a huge game. You you just can't do that. You you can't have that, you know. Again, hopefully he has a few more big games. Maybe you could trade him, use that as the... You know, as kind of the kicker there, but you're kind of you're kind of screwed with him too. Yeah. That that's the thing. His value's in the toilet right now. Like I cannot pawn him off to anybody. Why would they want a guy who sounds just like you would like yards? Justice Hill? <laughs> that's not. I was not expecting that response, especially sounding like it was a PA announcement at a Walmart. No, I don't want Justice Hill. You can keep him on the shelf. Thank you very Delhi much. Delhi kiosk order number forty-five <laughs> is ready for pickup. <laughs> I'm all number set. 43 Justice Hill is yeah. ready for trade yeah number okay. zero Calvin Ridley is getting kicked to the moon if he keeps this shit up so yeah but yeah it's again I don't own it's been nice I don't own any Austin Eckler I don't own any Calvin Ridley so um I, I am uh feeling good about you know that I'm not in either of these positions I, w- I would just like to say and this is I think a testament to I did decently drafting in the late rounds this year first round pick Nick Chubb dead not your fault third third round pick calvin ridley bad fourth round pick justin fields has had two good games and is dead possible gambling Uh, addict (laughs) fifth who did i take in the fifth round fifth round uh oh james cook he's been fine uh sixth round i whiff sixth round Jahan dotson awful uh so he actually so had a decent look, game this week. Well, what, like five for 50 It's like, it's like 40 yards. Like, no, no he didn't. It's decent, like, he good had for like him. Woo, like John yeah. Johnson. God, yeah. yeah he I mean, just I got a out. pulse. I mean, 
I got I got Hill and Diggs who are the wide receivers one and two at the twelve thirteen turn. So that that has just been an absolute delight. And then I took Mark Andrews next. So you know we're 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 feeling okay. But hey, you're six and one. I'm four and three. So who am I? I, I saved myself in those mid to late rounds with Mostert, Laporta, and Nico Collins. Mostert, who got parlayed into Brees Hall. So I, yeah. it, this is where it's important. you got to hit those mid rounds. All right, final question, and it's just one I, I just like because I like this guy. Is Demario Douglas fantasy relevant now? What do you want? No. <laughs> is Demario Douglas fantasy relevant? This question from Theo Buker. Uh, sorry, Theo. <laughs> sorry, Theo. No. Uh, here's what I'll say. As a Patriots fan, I think it's just as a Patriots fan that I'm thinking about it. It's like, end of bench stash if you really want, sure. And here's the only reason I would say that is because he is one of the only players on this team that they will manufacture sort of unique touches for. Like Kendrick Bourne is obviously the wide receiver one, uh, but beyond that... The run game hasn't been good. Demario Douglas is a guy who missed a few games with injury and then comes back, plays 62% of the snaps, jumps over uh, Devontae Parker, who played 58% of snaps, and has just been pretty bad this year. So, look, there's a lot there's a lot of variables that would have to get you to the point where Demario Douglas is able to actually sniff your lineup. But, I mean, I think there's worse bets you could take. I, from watching him play, he passes the eye test as a good football player, an elusive player. He looks, he reminds me of Kadarius Tony Light is basically what the skill set is as long oh, as he dear. doesn't. Yeah, I mean, not. let's hope the off-the-field stuff, no. But someone he's better. like, he's, just, he's a very shifty type of player. And on a team that is always desperately looking for any sort of juice, you know, I could see it happening maybe if he could jump up the snaps a little bit. But in general, if you're considering Demario Douglas, I hope you're in a... 16 team league with a 10 man bench generally yeah. speaking uh, i would just say no mainly because this offense is just not conducive to any fantasy productive i mean i guess you still have to start Ramondre stevenson if you have him but besides mm-hmm. that no you don't you don't have to yeah well, truly there's just no one that's firmly on the radar and you look at it like you said kendrick Bourne is the number one but he goes strictly as the offense goes when they're good he's fantasy relevant he's the number when one and not, he's on waivers too that's so, what i'm saying when they're yeah. not he's not like that's the thing yeah. is so if they can't produce for Kendrick Bourne, obviously we saw some decent weeks with Hunter Henry, but even then he's not, you know, tight end is bad, but still he's hardly a tight end one. I'd argue probably not even. I start him yeah. in a 16-team league, so j- just to put that into perspective. So, you know, Demario Douglas, is he going to – are they just going to be good enough to consistently give him – like, sure, he'll have some spike weeks, but I, I don't even see the potential for anyone in that offense to become a consistent produ- producer, let alone Demario Douglas. So that's why I, I would say, I would say no. Honestly, the Patriots are the worst fantasy team in the whole league. Is there any other team yeah. where there are zero, zero guys that you say like, yes, if you have them, you start them? Um, let me like pr- look at the. Bears. I got all the teams up. I'm looking up at teams. Yeah, Bears, I mean, the Bears have started players. Oh God, yeah. Um, let's see the right. No, I guess Hollywood Brown's getting started for the Cardinals, isn't he? Um, the Patriots are probably the only team. They're the only yeah, team I can think of off the top bad. of my head that there are zero true startable players every week. I feel like every team, at the very least, yeah. has one guy that is closer to lineups than Ramondre Stevenson is. Yeah. 
Yeah, you are correct. I mean, the, like I'm looking at bad teams. I'm like, okay, the Giant. Well, they have Saquon Barkley, and then I'm like, Panthers oh, the Jets. Well, obviously, Adam have Thielen, Brees Hall. Looks like Panthers have Rice. Panthers have Adam Thielen. The Raiders. I mean, as mid as he's been, as they both been, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. You're still starting them every Absolutely. single week. Um, yeah, no, I think you you make a valid point. The closest other team to that might be as he's still dealing with injury, uh, Aaron Jones and the Packers. But the Patriots are it's just wild. Yeah, which yeah. is wild. Yeah, Who the Patriots that, are terrible. I mean, I was one of them. I was super. I was so high in Aaron Jones. I've got Aaron, a lot of Aaron Jones. I've got a lot of Christian Watson. Man, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I started yeah. fucking Anders Carlson this past week, and I'm hurting because of it. Oh man, like, you're off the Anders hook, Anders. Carlson. I still like your brother better, but his brother, has, two his brother hasn't been that good either. The Carlsons are inaccurate as shit this year. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, man. But. Brandon Aubrey, what a savior. That guy's been awesome. MMS yeah, I saw guy. you. I saw you stash Brandon Aubrey during I did his it by bye accident. week. I you did by accident. How did how'd you do by accident? They were on by. Like, oh for whatever God. reason, what I was looking at didn't say he was on by. So I'm like, oh, word, I'll pick up Brandon Aubrey and I drop <laughs> Jake Moody. And then I'm like, uh-oh. I thought, I thought you were. Saturday. I thought you were. Yeah. Uh-oh. I thought you were big-braining it because you had an open IR spot and Montgomery was eligible to go in there. So I was like, oh, he's going to stash Aubrey, start a different kicker, and not what you meant to do but not good what I for meant you to do, but 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 then when i had him i'm like oh hell i'm stashing him hell yeah i'm stashing yeah, he's him. been like top three kicker that's why i wasn't implausible yeah, well, i was just like nerd he's kicker number six he's number six yeah. kicker on the year kickers suck in fantasy football in an ideal world you have no defense you have no kicker and you have three flexes but you know i digress I digress, but yeah, get, just going into kicker talk. Okay, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Off the Bench. We will update you guys next week on the fate of both our fantasy teams, and of course, all of the news and notes from around Spooky. the week. Ooh. Spooky, oh big sweet. Oh yeah, wait, next week is actually Halloween. on Halloween. Wow, and a Halloween episode. Do we have to dress up? Uh, I mean, do you have a costume handy? Because I, doing all these stupid videos, I do have plenty of costumes handy. So, I can figure something out. It may not be football related, but it might. It doesn't be have stupid. to be. Mine aren't either. My, so yeah, okay. Well, tune in for that, guys. Next week on the YouTube edition of this, uh, we'll try to describe well, already, it in detail for the audio. I up an idea okay. Already. Okay. Great. So tune in for us both dressing as strippers next week. Okay, that'll do it for this episode of Off the Bench for Pat Gustafson. I'm Brandon Carney, and we'll see you guys next stop. See you next week. Bye bye. Hurry, cut the camera. Cut the camera.